you don't want to have like a disaster defensive back because they will get picked on relentlessly. We've seen that. <coughs> Eli Apple. One may argue. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. Free agency is kicking off, so we think it's about time we get back on the horse and start looking forward to next season. So hey, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down in Cork? Not too bad, not too bad. The, the weather has turned a bit cold there, but uh, otherwise not too bad. In the final stages of wedding prep now, it's all the small decisions that have to be made. It's just kind mm. of so that's what that Blink-182 song was about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Quite a random <laughs> reference, but okay. Uh, yeah, I think the day itself will be fine. It's just getting there is a bit of a, mm. a headache, really. Yeah. Uh, I can see that, I can see that. But, um, ah, yeah, so like, look, you've got, what, three weeks-ish? Yeah, you get there. 24 days, accor- according to the uh, the blackboard thing on our kitchen door. Very good. Very, very exciting. Uh, I'm sure they'll dominate most of your mental capacity for the next while. I believe we are we are suit-fitting uh, on the weekend to make sure that we're looking box-fresh and whatnot for, uh, for the wedding. How about yourself, Fitzy? Any crack? Uh, nothing as exciting as a wedding, but uh, yeah, February was busy enough, but uh, looking forward to a fairly quiet March. Uh, catch some of the end of the rugby. The Six Nations is nearly finished up, so yeah, keeping it quiet. Yeah, it's, uh, been a, it's been a good campaign for Ireland and the Six Nations. Yeah, on, on, on route to potentially winning the whole thing with uh, mm. wins against everyone, so can't complain about that. Yes, I've heard a couple of people complain this is kind of the way it goes. We do very well and then we shit the bed at the World Cup, right? Usually not in the same year as the World Cup. Usually okay. it's like the year before the World yeah. Cup we do that. Last year they picked a year too early was the problem. Okay, so this time we might be all right. That's that's, that's better yeah. than I'd heard. But I yeah. mean, I'm not, a bi- I'm not as big a rugby fan as, say, Ronan is, but I would trade at a Grand Slam for a quarterfinal victory, um, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Success of the World <laughs> Cup is, is, this, is really what Irish rugby... Has been missing. Yeah, oh, fair enough. I was on a, I was on a thirty man, thirty plus man stag do on the weekend, so uh, the recovery is just about squared off now. And uh, yeah, kind of in wind down mode. Currently finishing up in my current role and swapping to a new one in two weeks' time. So I have a week off for the collective birthdays of me, my wife, and uh, our gotcha day for our doggy. So uh, we have a very exciting uh, Paddy's Day week coming up for ourselves. Um, but yeah, we thought it was about time to get in here as free agency is really going to start kicking off into high gear. There's already a couple of bits of news and everything, so we'll start flying through the leftover sections from the sale in last year and the start of what's happened already. So... Uh, the season awards came through. MVP was Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes. We all predicted that at the midway point. And Offensive Player of the Year was Justin Jefferson. Defensive Player was uh, San Francisco edge rusher Nick Bosa. Offensive Rookie. This is a doubler for uh, for the Jets who got Offensive Rookie and Defensive Rookie. And Garrett Wilson at wide receiver and Sauce Gardner uh, at cornerback. We had the Comeback Player of the Year was Geno Smith. And the Coach of the Year was New York Giants head coach Brian Dable. Um, there's nothing overly uh, surprising in here. We had a couple of these predicted, uh, particularly by the halfway point. Um, is there anyone who you think maybe should have been in the shout? Like, I, I, I do think it's it's interesting to think that there's another Jets player who might have been considered in this rotation if he hadn't injured his leg at running back as well. Yeah, like, look, like, I think Bosa 
got it because TJ Watt was injured, Aaron Donald had a down year, and he had a really good year. Nick Bosa had most sacks by far, so that all makes sense. Pat Mahomes, I don't think anyone could argue that he's MVP, especially after what you know, winning the Super Bowl. That just puts the uh, the cherry on the cake of that being the correct choice. Garrett Wilson, it was actually interesting. They went to choice voting, which basically you ranked your players, and if they're if they'd stuck with the old system where you just got to vote for one player, I think uh, Kenneth Walker, the Seahawks running back, would have won. But based on ranked choice voting, Garrett Wilson won. So uh, take your opinions about uh, STV and other things into that. And so, but Sauce Gardner, I think he was unanimous. Uh, he pretty much yeah he was the floor there. Gino Smith, hard to argue with that. Like there were guys who obviously came back and did great things, like Saquon. But Gino Smith's a unique story. You don't really see stuff like that happening mm. uh, these days. And Brian Dayball, yeah, given what he was given, I can't really complain about him being head coach. I don't know. I'm a bit. Conv- I'm not sure I buy the head coach thing. Particularly, I guess it's going to be tempered by the, the like essentially the embarrassing exit at the, at the in the playoffs. But like maybe it maybe took a pretty mediocre team and. You know, got them to eleven wins or whatever. I would, I would have nearly thought. You know, look at the well, Lions. A... Look at the Lions, nearly making the playoffs. Like I would have maybe thought that they were getting more out of a lesser well, crew there. But to be fair, Connor, at this point, they didn't know that they had a forty million a year quarterback. So That's true. It, it <laughs> looked better in. Uh, it looked better at the time. Uh, we must must look up and see who the credit. But someone in our group chat, we have to now credit his new nickname is he's no longer Danny Dimes. He's now Danny Dollars. Following uh, what we will be discussing in a bit is quite a significant little pay chunk for him. But um, yeah, like overall, I don't think there's anything too surprising here. Hall of Fame: Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Don Coriel, uh Chuck Howley, Joe Klenko, and Ken Riley. So. Again, I don't think anything too surprising coming out of the the Hall of Fame class there. Um, the, only, the, only, the only thing I'm finding surprising is we're now starting to get to the point of I'm feeling old because I'm seeing names who are now clearly five years plus retired that uh, I don't realise are that old. Uh, but I suppose that's just going to increasingly be the way of looking at Five years past playing. Well, yeah. Uh... Some of these are Rondé Barber is a bit older, isn't it? Yeah, like like some of them aren't aren't in on their first time and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. just to... I think the the only big thing, obviously, our our, our previous uh, contributor Harry, he was obviously on on the Super Bowl podcast, uh, was obviously a huge uh, advocate for Don Coriel getting his shoe and getting into the Hall of Fame. So good to see him get in there. And I think the new pet project is uh, the returner, uh, mm. the guy who. Hester, I think, is the. Hester, oh, yeah. Hester. Yeah. Oh, he's the, yeah, he's the new, he's the new hipster choice to who should be in the uh, Hall of Fame every year. Now that Coriel is in there. Yeah. I mean, uh, they they basically changed the rules because he was too good at, at his at his position. So yeah. 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 Um, no, that makes sense. Let's have a look at some of the coaching moves that have happened. So head coach GM changes. Indianapolis have hired Philadelphia offensive coach Shane Steichen as head coach. Uh, so. He's hired the Jacksonville pass game coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, as offensive coordinator and is keeping on Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator. And Arizona have hired Philadelphia defense coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, as head coach. Uh, he's hired Cleveland's quarterback coach, Drew Petzing, as his offense coordinator and Philadelphia linebacker coach, Nick Rollis, as his defensive coordinator. So, as I say, the problem of coming off a Super Bowl and the fact that actually statistically I think it hits the team that loses more than the team that wins this looks like the start of that with philadelphia losing its offense coordinator and defensive coordinators to head coaching gigs um these are interesting uh decisions i think particularly there's some question marks being raised over this arizona coaching staff selection the um the 
the the the Cleveland quarterback coach for offensive coordinator I think has been a little bit more widely questioned around the league given both they haven't exactly had a a a, a winning track record with that but I also believe it's quite a young coach as well. Yeah, I think that's the the kind of the trend there because both uh, Petzing and um Rallis are both young up-and-comers ones and that mm. kind of gives a sense that Jonathan Gannon's going for a kind of fresh new look for lack of a better term going for maybe some guys who are a little bit further down the and totem it, pole and, it, and it, do, um, it does also make me feel like he's 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 relatively self-assured or relatively assured that he's got a bit of room here he's got a couple of years to try and pull it together given these are young being promoted up kind of guys yeah and Nick Rallis was a guy who is very highly liked by everyone in that organization in Philly. I think he was one of the candidates for the DC role. I think someone else has left uh, Philadelphia recently, their DB coach, so don't be surprised if he ends up in Arizona as well. But I think it's like a very, as you say, because of the circumstances around the quarterback, this is pretty much a write-off year next season, so he should be given time to develop the squad into a more long-term vision. I think with Indianapolis, the, the owner has already talked about they're going to get a young quarterback in there. And while that means that there's some rope there, I imagine he might have higher expectations um, if the quarterback is selected correctly and they do well there. And they've gone for more veteran options. Jim Bob Cooter has a lot of experience. He's been around before. Of course, Bradley's obviously... It's a, na- it's a name that it, that I'm very happy to hear coming back into the coaching circles because it was always a fun one to report on. <laughs> yeah. So Indianapolis feels not win now, but like that's more like a two, three-year thing, whereas Arizona... Obviously, you know, assuming Kyler Murray comes back at some point this season, they're like not even starting this project really to 2024. So it's a slightly different situation. I suppose just to mention that obviously these two guys were hired from Philly. Uh, Philly hired uh, Seattle associate head coach Sean Desai as their defensive coordinator, a guy who's kind of been hyped up for a number of years. So he finally gets that promotion to DC. Uh, probably a name who will probably be associated with head coach Gerald if that goes well. Mm. And uh, Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach, was promoted to offensive coordinator. Uh, a pretty typical move, though, one that we've seen sometimes not work out. Buffalo last year comes to uh, mind for example yeah uh, a few other coaching in front office moves so Denver have hired Arizona's defensive coordinator Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator and they've brought in LA Chargers offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi as their OC uh, Houston have brought in Arizona defensive line coach Matt Burke as DC hire passing game coordinator from San Francisco um, Bobby Slowick as their offensive coordinator Washington have hired Eric Bieniemy to be their OC and Kansas City have then promoted Matt Nagy up to OC for them. Baltimore hired Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin to be their offensive coordinator. Tampa Bay pick up Seattle's QB coach David Canales to be their offensive coordinator. Carolina hire the LA tight end coach uh, Thomas Brown to be an offensive coordinator. That is an interesting move. It's not normally the trajectory you hear. Um, the Chargers promote defensive back coach Derek Anthony to defensive coordinator. And uh, Buffalo defensive coordinator Leslie Flazier has announced he's going to take a year off, although he does at this time intend to come back in a year's time. Um, these are interesting. I like the hiring of Vance Joseph. It's a weird one to go back to a team that you used to head coach, though, to be a coordinator. Yeah, I mean, both of these uh, coordinator picks for, for the Broncos have some questions. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the Lombardi one that really stands out. I mean, t- talk about what a name can can get you. Um, I mean, the, the the other one that I, has happened this offseason is is Schottenheimer. They, mm. they, if you have a name, you, you can get n- numerous bites of the cherry, and it's pretty surprising to see him coming back. I mean, obviously, the Broncos had huge problems. I mean... It's strange that they, you know, they obviously had more offensive problems than defensive problems last year. So it's going to be interesting to see 
uh, what they do, but uh, certainly none of them, neither of them stand out as being obviously, uh, obviously good picks. Um, and the other one that really stands out to me here is, is obviously the Eric Bieniemy one, which is, mm. I mean, it's a very strange move to be going from you know offensive coordinator, the best offense in football, to you know the Washington Commanders. I mean, yeah, you know, the obvious charge here is racism that teams aren't picking him up for head coach, and he has to prove himself, even though white coaches don't need to do so. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, it, it, you know, in a sense, it is going to be interesting to see what he does away from Mahomes, but it's definitely a slap in the face. Uh, to those uh, who say there's 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 no racism in the NFL, yeah, and I think on Lombardi, like he has had a relationship with Sean Payton before. He he was there in New Orleans at the OC. Uh, I think as a QB coach at some point as well. So it's really Sean Payton's offense. So I wouldn't worry too much about Lombardi. But although I know, believe I, think... I believe it's been announced that he's talking about he wants to he wants to call the defense during the game, right? Sean Payton. Yeah, I was reading something about this. That there's there's talk that he wants to call the defense during the game now. Okay, that makes literally no sense. I, I know. He, he might just be, you know, sending shit out there, see what sticks. But like, look, like I think it's a situation where, like, I think Lombardi's more associated with late Drew Brees, where he became like a kind of West Coast uh, pocket passer type guy, rather than the kind of deep passer he was earlier in New Orleans. But I assume it'll fit their system. Uh, somewhat around the strengths of Russell Wilson. Um, Houston, two young coaches there again, similar to Arizona. That feels like a long-term project. And obviously uh, with the new head coach, D'Amico Ryan's in there, who's young himself, that makes sense as a, as a long-term build. Uh, Todd Monken, I suppose there was talk, and we'll talk about this when we get to the uh, tags and then the trade market. Um, obviously, you know, at the time when they were talking about Lamar having an input to the OC position, Reports say that Monken was chosen just by the team and Lamar had no input, whether that's because Lamar didn't want to have an input or because the team lied. Well, we'll, we'll find out eventually when there's some kind of tell-all article when the Lamar situation resolves itself. Uh, Canales and Brown, two younger guys who obviously are getting an opportunity uh, with two teams where huge questions over the quarterback, so not a huge amount of pressure probably there to have immediate results. And uh, Buffalo, yeah, interesting with Leslie Fraser. This kind of feels like maybe, you know, Buffalo were considering letting him go anyway, but he decided to kind of take the, the high ground and kind of uh, take a year off. I, I, I think a lot of reports are saying he probably won't be back with Buffalo. Um, mm. And the Chargers one, the only interesting about that is that the former DC for the Chargers, Ronaldo Hill, left for the Miami coaching staff despite going to from a DC to a like a basically a, yeah you had to uh, take a downgrade to move yeah. wasn't it now Miami tend to pay their coordinators a lot more Chargers are known to be one of the most stingy teams in terms of and pay. there's no there's no state their tax coaches. down there as well and yeah there's no tax in Miami and Miami has other wonderful aspects about it you can see watch the HBO series Ballers for more details on that yeah uh, but uh, yeah just interesting to see someone take a, a you know a, a voluntary downgrade in their name uh, so we'll move on to Controversy Corner. Uh, what are they doing? Probably felonies. Actually, yeah, possibly felonies this time around. New Orleans running back Alvin Kamara has been charged with conspiracy to commit battery and substantial bodily harm. The trial has been set for July 31st. Um, Jalen Carter, draft prospect, has been con- charged with misdemeanor reckless driving and racing charges during which an uh, UGA linebacker, Kevin Willock, died. And Jacksonville Calvin Ridley has been reinstated after his year-long ban for betting on the team while not playing for them. Um, yeah, this is this is interesting. The Kamara stuff, like, it's almost impossible to imagine he's not opening up the season with at least some degree of a suspension from this. I believe some more um, footage was released, and it doesn't really look good for him in the slightest. Yeah, like, this has been hanging over Kamara for, you know, a year and a half now. That last year's Pro Bowl in Vegas, um, and basically there's no doubt that Kamara was part of a group who beat the shit out of someone. Um, 
you know, apparently there was some words exchanged and then his guys and he beat them up and he was hitting them on while he was on the ground. And, yeah. you know, something will come of it. It's just a matter of severity. Like, but like you know, I think reports are saying he'll probably avoid jail time. But once this is resolved, whether that's on the 31st, don't be surprised if it gets delayed beyond that again, though. Um, the NFL will be handing out some kind of punishment, no doubt about that. Jalen Carter, obviously huge... Uh, Issue like we'll talk about the draft prospects in a future podcast, but yeah. there's a guy who was potentially be talked about as a number one overall pick, certainly a top five pick. This is obviously not a great look for him. He actually had to leave the NFL Combine uh, to go get booked by the police um, back in Georgia and get that sorted. <coughs> so obviously not great timing for him. Yeah. And obviously given the high profile nature of the incident in which this apparently occurred around, where um, I believe a a member of the Georgia staff and the linebacker Devin Willock both died um, during what seems to have been a race against the corner reports. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, that makes it a little bit more uh, shocking, I suppose. Uh, but these are misdemeanors, so um, I'm not sure of the severity in terms of potential suspensions or certainly unlikely to have any jail time implications. And Calvin Ridley, like, hopefully he's learned his lesson. Um, you know, it, it was pretty obvious. Thing what are the odds he's learned his lesson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like... Uh-huh. Th- just don't, don't don't gamble. Like you're on a pretty good team. People are already getting pretty hyped up for the Calvin Ridley experience. We'll see after like a year or so off. I think he was coming off an injury at the time uh, as well. He, yeah. Which is why he was gambling? If he's the same player, and he he's a guy who he played well, but I don't know if he ever lived up to like the new Julio Jones stuff that they were expecting him to be. But no, but they know, got him. They got him relatively cheap yeah, as well. So him, like they got him cheap. Yeah. So. He'll have a chance yeah, he there. Had with one a, good year. Was it 2020? Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Um, mm. And Jacksonville's wide receiver group is solid, but it's not great. So he does have a chance there to establish his wide receiver one bona fides if he's still got it. Yeah. I think you're under, I think you're under, underestimating the Jags a bit. They've got a good they've got a good core, and he really knocks them up to the next level. I think if he plays at the level he's capable of. I mean, he's you know it's. They put out a lot of money into Christian Kirk, et cetera, et cetera. But they all have kind of performed to a certain extent. And Ridley, it certainly makes the Jags a lot, given where they, you know, where they ended the season, it look, makes them a very interesting prospect for next year if it all comes together on the offensive side. Oh, big time. No, I, I agree with you full 100% on that one now. Uh, injuries. Minnesota running back Dalvin Cook has a shoulder injury. He's expected to be back, but it may affect uh, Minnesota a little bit. Free agent wide receiver Mikael Hardman has injured his groin. He's expected to be back in time for training camp, but obviously being a free agent, that might affect his market. And USC prospect offensive lineman Andrew Corhees, uh did his ACL, I believe this was in the middle of one of the drills, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so he's, yeah, so he's going to miss 2023. Um, so not great for any of them, but like, yeah, uh, yeah particularly, like, particularly, particularly for Andrew there on the end, but um, yeah, yeah, like Dalvin Cook, it's you know there was there's rumors that he's a cut candidate for Minnesota, but if he's injured, that will affect how the cap hits and stuff hit. He they would basically not get as much cap relief as they would if he wasn't injured. So something to keep an eye on there. He might get cut later in the off season, though there'll be less value. And Minnesota are definitely shaking things up. They've cut a few long-standing names like uh, Eric Kendricks. I know uh, they're really the they're, they're really and, doubling down on the Kirk cousin of it all. Yeah, Michael Hardman. Like, look, he's a guy who. You know, given the paucity of options, certainly would have got a contract. We'll see how it affects his market. And yeah, really unfortunate for Andrew Corey's. And he really showed his grit, though. He had an opportunity to basically, he, he chose to basically still do the deadlifts after, or sorry, the weight the weights afterwards, and was the had the most lifts of any prospect with a ACL tear. So everyone's like, <laughs> he really showed his, uh, you know, guts out there. He really showed his uh, fucking stupidity is what he did. Like, if yeah. you turn your ACL, just, just take the L and fucking go start yeah. rehabbing straight away, like... 
Yeah, but I suppose we're all we're all rooting for him. It's kind of sucks to get a severe injury like this at a you know training mm. event. Basically, it's kind of a bit annoying. I'd say. Yeah, uh, let's move on to some of the pre-free agency movements. Um, some of this has been very interesting. We'll start with the one obviously big, massive bit of news. So, um, Derek Carr went off on his little adventures to uh, New Orleans initially to have a chat with them when he was told, okay, you can go and discuss a possible trade with them. Uh, he went and had a po- discussion about a possible trade with them, went back to Oakland and said, fuck you guys. Uh, I'm not. Ref- I'm refusing to be traded anywhere. Release me. Uh, and then did a little mini kind of tour of a number of different teams and decided then to go to New Orleans. He's received a four-year $150 million contract with $70 million guaranteed. Um, this obviously means Jameis Winston is almost certainly out of the door or will need to take an awful lot less money to be the backup there and doesn't massively kind of fit as a scheme-for-scheme likeness on uh, as a backup. New Orleans, interestingly, in quite a bit of cap hell, but we're able to work this around. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of rumours doing the rounds of uh, New Orleans discussed, you know, if we are to trade for you, we're going to need to have you to kind of do a deal on your salary to get it a little bit lower. And he kind of went, well, if we could, if you could maintain your picks, would we be able to to make the stuff work a little bit more? So I'd be, I'd be intrigued in a couple of years' time to see what the what the actual nuts and bolts of what went into that discussion were like. Because, um, you know, if you're going to sign with New Orleans and you know New Orleans is a cap situation, you probably want them to have a lot of picks to surround you with some talent. Um, but yeah, this is the kind of the start of the quarterback movements that we'll talk about. But uh, Derek Carr really getting himself paid for a guy who I don't know why so many people are interested in. Like, I, I just, I just don't get it. I think this is actually a pretty decent move on, on both parties. Um, and given the money, as we'll talk about, that people like Daniel Jones are getting, I mean, it seems, you know, about $40 million a year for, you know, middle-of-the-road quarterback is kind of where you're at. Hmm. Uh, and, I mean, I the reason I like this is because I think the Saints are a, a well-run organization that always seems to field, even when they don't have a lot of talent, they seem to be able to field a competitive team. I think Carr is obviously an upgrade from Winston, um, I think he he's not the most spectacular quarterback in the world, but he does have pretty decent stats, and in a good system, he could be one of those game manager QBs who, who you know gets you the number of wins that you you need. And given that the NFC South is going to be wide open with retirement, I think the Saints are in a good position to be favored to take the playoff spot there. So I I, I mean obviously you know when people like Aaron Rodgers are are potentially in the market, then you know. You know, reaching out early for Derek Carr looks like a bad move, but I, I think the Saints are like, look, this, we know who we want. Let's go get him, and we, we can make it work. I think they can make a winning season out of having Derek Carr at quarterback, and I think it works out for both parties. I think Carr is better off at New Orleans than he is in Vegas, and I think the Saints are better off with Carr than they are with someone like Jameis, basically. Mm. Yeah, like, like the biggest issue for New Orleans, it just feels like, you know, obviously they had that window... Uh, where it looked like they could net potentially win another Super Bowl when they had, you know, a bunch of guys like Alvin Kamara and Lattimore and Drew Brees was still playing well. And it's just, you know, more and more diminishing results as the years go on. And it just feels like just a move like Dennis Allen wants to keep his job and mm. to win the division, which is very wide open. And they could definitely win the division, but they're not winning a Super Bowl with Derek Carr and this current squad. And they continue to be in the most capel of capel. They've made a number of additional restructures of guys like Taysom Hill to create the money required to, to make this work. And Derek Carr himself uh, took a big signing bonus to kind of make that work as well. So look, like I suppose in the NFL, 
rebuilding isn't you know really a thing given the nature of the league and the nature of how, like how few games are and stuff like that. But you know, New Orleans, yeah, this isn't going to turn them into Super Bowl contenders. So it, it kind of just continues the slow decline. It feels like until they're actually willing to grasp the nettle and and change who they are as as a whole. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the QB moves. I think uh, because well, as I said, we have to we have to con- contextualize this Derek Carr one. And it's contextualized in two different directions. One is Daniel Jones, quarterback of the New York Giants, uh, has received a four-year, $160 million deal, I believe. We haven't got final numbers, but he's got, I think, higher um, guarantees sitting in there as well. Um, this this is the thing. Derek Carr and Daniel Jones, to me, that's an interesting question of, is that a push? Is one better than the other? I would probably, after last season, be citing more on Daniel Jones. But the thing is, like it's probably just the 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 you know the 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 riches that I have as a Chiefs fan. I can't really imagine getting massively behind having either of these guys as my as my quarterback to 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 back into it. Like I know Jones had, and we'll discuss it in a second when we get to franchise tags. The fact that they wanted the franchise tag for Saquon Barkley and that helped get this done and everything. But like. Slightly above him is Daniel Jones. Slightly below him is Seattle will have a three-year, $105 million deal with Geno Smith, where realistically it's kind of a one and a little bit kind of they're going to draft someone to be in behind him spot. And I would definitely 100% be taking Geno Smith at $100 million a year than taking Derek Carr for $150 million. But uh, yeah, I just... It's a weird one for what's cleared out of the market here of that like Daniel Jones is $10 million more and Geno Smith is $50 million less. Yeah, like I think the big thing this establishes is that the range for a starting quarterback, a starting level quarterback, is around minimum thirty million, around forty million cap again for Daniel Jones. Once you get above forty million, you're getting into the Pro Bowl type guys. Like when we get Joe Burrow's extension later this year, it'll probably be into the fifty millions and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daniel Jones, like, look, I don't think any of us in this podcast have ever been a huge fan of him. He does have certain you know, physical gifts that are valuable. He's obviously a really dynamic runner. Um, It it very much sounded like you were trying to not talk about his penis. You know, and he's called, like, (laughs) he's called Vanilla Vic by the Giants locker room. So, like, he does bring things, but he's not a good passer of the ball. He's a guy who basically Dayball created a system where it's like, take take your first look if it's not there, run, basically. And that was enough to get workable offense, but... It's not like a long-term solution, you feel like. Now, maybe Dayball can do the Josh Allen thing and improve his mechanics and get him up there in terms of being a good passer as well, but it's a little bit suspicious there. Um, whereas, you know, with Derek Carr, yeah, like, look, New Orleans, we talk, like, they're just trying to live for another day. But Seattle, like, look, I think they wanted Geno Smith. Geno Smith wanted to stay there, you know, in, like, basically, like, this is basically the low level of what you have to pay a starter these days and mm-hmm. you know i think for him given how much he's made up this time he's probably happy enough i think the way it's structured is very incentive heavy um so if it's a situation where he basically dropped for a rookie this season or a season after that a lot of this money basically disappears from the contract anyway so overall pretty team friendly but for gino he, he's probably yeah getting some bank delighted I... he's getting something like I mean, I, 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 I get the Daniel Jones thing. I definitely do. I mean, we have. To, I think it's important to keep in mind that getting a very a good quarterback in the NFL, like a, a top 10 quarterback, is really hard. And if you're not getting one of those elite guys, then you have to find some, you know, have to get the best available player to you. And 
when you have someone like Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill, I mean, that kind of middling area, there is a bit of a game theory going on in terms of do you alienate the guy that you have in the hope that you might be able to move up to someone better um, or do you, you know, kind of take what, what, you, what you get? And I think that the Giants are in a situation where they're like, look, this worked really well. It worked a lot better than, than we expected to last year. The system seems to work. This Danny Dimes improved remarkably year on year last year. He seems in Dayball to have you know a good connection. They seem to know how things are going on. I I'm, I think you got to. I mean, because the alternative is trying to get into the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, hoping that you draft a QB, which we, which as we've seen, is is a bit of a lottery um, in in most scenarios. Um, or you're looking around for another player of this caliber. So I, I can definitely see them being like Daniel Jones at 25. I mean, look, for example, he's six years younger than Derek Carr. So yeah. you've got another six years out of him for basically the same, same get a player that's six years younger for basically the same price and largely the same output at, at the end of the day. Yeah. So, I mean, I totally buy the Giants are like, look, we're not going to get anyone better. And we don't want to, if we get rid of them, we could end up with someone a lot worse. So we may as well just take, take the move. And I think, yeah. I think all QB signings need to be seen in that, in that what is the alternative and the, al- there's like an, a, there's like a, a cliff you fall off at a certain level. And mm-hmm. if you fall off that cliff, you're con- entirely uncompetitive in the league. Daniel Jones makes the Giants competitive. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, but they, they will like, they have a chance of making the playoffs basically, yeah. you know, with him. So why not? Yeah, and- and he has traits which, if he could put it all together, if Dayball can get him there, he does have unique special traits, those kind of superpowers that you talk about that makes these guys worth paying. But, like, look, based on what we've actually seen, you know, it's, it's a long distance to get there. Especially, you know, for some reason, some other quarterbacks who have already shown superpowers and also been good at winning uh, somehow don't, aren't getting much interest. Yeah, uh, well, we're going to come out of that because I was about to say, the thing to bear in mind from this as well is that, you know, most of these guys are getting a, like two years of guaranteed money to two and like, you know, an easy, easy chuttable in third season. Like, all these quarterback contracts, if they work out or if they do happen to look into someone who's better, like almost all of them are tradable. Like, you can almost always get something back from it. In a year's time, if the Giants accidentally hit on a third-round quarterback who's really good, they can almost certainly trade a three-year, 110 million Daniel Jones contract onwards. Um, And that's kind of where we're going to come to on the franchise tag. So, will we start with the big one, or will we put that at the end is the question. I can just give a quick highlight of everyone else, and then we'll go into the Baltimore one. Yeah, like let's go through the very brief. Yeah. Film. Okay. So Vegas have tagged Josh Jacobs. Giants have tagged Saquon Barkley. Dallas have tagged Tony Pollard. Three examples of running backs who are coming off the end of their rookie contracts. The guys want them for another year. They don't want to give them a full time deal. And particularly Tony Pollard and Jacobs. Uh, there's injury concerns. Bit yeah, Barkley is a year away from his injury issues. And the tag is like ten million. For ten is backs. yeah. It's it's it's, so it's it's the 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 tag for running backs is cheaper than it was to tag running backs two years ago. Even though the the cap has gone up, which is so. not not a great sign for how the market's going for running backs. Um, Jacksonville have tagged tight end Evan Ingram and Washington have tagged defensive tackle Deron Payne. I'd imagine in both the Jacksonville and Washington cases, this is just a tag to keep them on the books while they sort out a longer term deal, given how they've played for them in the last year or so. Yeah. Like we don't we don't have time to talk about it today, or we'll probably be talking about it very much in the future as news more news becomes available. But obviously, the Washington situation and the ownership situation, there's obviously due to the nature of guaranteed money, they probably don't want to pay Deron Payne a long term contract, or Snyder doesn't want to. Yeah. And Evan Ingram, like they're going to keep Evan Ingram no matter what it is. He'll yeah, probably yeah. get an extension though. But the Washington thing, it's pending new ownership. Basically. 
Yeah, so this brings us to the franchise tag of uh, considerable discussion at the moment. Uh, Baltimore have put the non-exclusive tag on quarterback Lamar Jackson, which means he is allowed to go and speak to other teams. Um, and if a team wants to sign him, they have to provide two first-round picks to the Baltimore Ravens. But the Baltimore Ravens also get the chance to match the contract. Um, so it means you can... There have been instances of poison pill contracts and stuff like that happening beforehand. Those are um, illegal now. Those are... There are pseudo poison pills you can put in. So there, are, there there used to be pure poison pills. Like if you play three games in X state, you have to pay an extra 40, 40 yeah. million. And like it's like, well, <laughs> the team who are looking to sign him don't play in that state. But um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind, because this is something that I've seen come up in a lot of discussions around this, is that the first round picks that they send have to be that team's first round picks. They can't be traded for... Uh, first round picks so uh, that is just important of note because it means you can't just start trading back and just dump the 28th and the 30th pick on them it has to be the team's original picks it can't be ones acquired in trade or by other means um the baltimore ravens have come out and said this move is designed to try and um reignite or reinvigorate the discussions that they are having with lamar jackson which have stalled over recent times they're maintaining that Lamar thinks his value is too high or thinks he'll get more guaranteed money elsewhere and they want to give him the opportunity to go out and see what's out there and see if he can get this type of deal that he's talking about from other teams and then Baltimore can go, well, look, if it's there and we can't match it, you can go and take it and we'll take the two first rounds. But if it's workable, we'll we'll, we'll try and do it. From Lamar Jackson's side, yeah, this feels very much like the league does not want to pay Lamar Jackson, does not want to give him the type of guaranteed contracts. There's a lot of discussion about basically fully guaranteed contracts and ownership across the NFL wanting to get rid of those as being a normal thing, um, which I know for yourself, Ronan, is, is, is something that you think is almost certainly going on in this spot. I will, just so we can have the full discussion, add to the other side of that, that the other side of this is, yes, he is a superstar. No, he has not finished a season in two years. Uh, he has injury concerns. He is rushing more than passing, and that always goes off a cliff earlier, and there could be concerns. But it does feel to me like it's very confusing this man has not got a deal, and it's very confusing the Baltimore want to give him this opportunity to go out into the world and find a find a new home for himself because it kind of feels like Baltimore don't want him. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me like two first rounders is the starting price for like good quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks. That's the starting price that Matt Stafford got, that's the starting price that Russell Wilson got, that's the starting price that Deshaun Watson had. And they got more on top of that in both yeah, of those yeah. trades. So you're talking two first-rounders for Lamar Jackson, a former MVP, a guy who has unique talents that are basically not replicable by anyone. And I get it. Like, you know, he's not a guy you could just fit into any system. You do have to build a system around his strengths. But, you know, when you do that successfully, you get really, really good results. And yes, he obviously has injury concerns. But Deshaun Watson is literally a rapist who also had torn ACLs in his past. And yet apparently he was worth, like, multiple like many more first rounders and many more picks and the fully guaranteed contract. So for me, for, for like, you know, like it would be okay if like one or two teams, but like the literally the fact that five teams basically on the same day, the tag happened said were out. It's just weird. I like, I just don't get like, you know, do, do all these teams not worried about their jobs anymore? Like, and I get Lamar Jackson's injury concerns, of course, but like, 
if, if Lamar Jackson plays 17 games and your team isn't shit, you're probably going to make the playoffs because he is an elite player. He's an elite quarterback who will elevate your roster, make your team better, make your wide receivers slightly less happy. But besides that, like there's basically zero reason to understand why teams aren't lining up to pay a discount compared to previous years. And like I get the, the latest ones like Watson and Walt Wilson haven't worked out, but Matt Stafford worked out pretty well for the Rams when they won a Super Bowl. So for me, it's it's just perplexing. It's, it's come out so quickly. Like maybe it's just the wrong market, the wrong time. Um, but you know, it's just it's just very very strange for me. I mean, my read on this, and and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. The issue, as I understand it, is that Deshaun Watson's contract basically broke the QB market, especially because of all the guaranteed money, and as a result, that any quarterback who considers himself better than Deshaun Watson now wants a shit ton of guaranteed money, and Lamar is basically the first of those players who's entered the open market for all intents and purposes. And the team owners have basically got together and decided that we, they have to stop this now. That basically if, they, if they continue the precedent of Watson and they pay uh, Jackson a lot of money, that basically sets it up that every quarterback of that caliber from now on is, is, can expect a shit ton of cash up front as part of a huge deal. And they just don't want to do that. I, I think it's, my understanding of it is that it's not about Lamar as much as about the the future of the QB market and what teams are prepared to do uh, 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 en masse. And I, and I think it comes down to the fact that, look, the NFL, it's a cartel, right? These We know these owners talk to each other. We know they have financial interests. We know that they, you know, yes, they are incentivized to want to win, but they are also incentivized to want to make money and they have a collective interest in making money. And I think that ultimately comes down to the fact that from a financial point of view, it is in their interest to freeze out Lamar because of the particular window that, that he's come into. It's just like when you look at the when you look at the names of some of the teams that have like kind of came out and publicly said they're not interested. That's the bit that baffles me of like like you said, Ronald, these these are teams that are like have needs at the position, would definitely be improved by it and just seem to be kind of playing I'm a big dum dum who doesn't know what I'm doing. Like if I'm if I'm on the Atlanta Falcons and I'm saying no, categorically not interested in spending two first rounds on Lamar Jackson. I go, well, what have I done with them recently? I drafted a, a tight end. Uh, what did I get last year? Did I get a wide receiver last year? Um, and Desmond Ritter, wasn't it? It's was Desmond Ritter, yeah. And then just like, okay, and and your plan has been to essentially run the ball with Marcus Mariota for the last year. Like, like, what are we doing here? Like, like what's what's the actual plan of some of these teams? So, like, like you said, it kind of feels like it has to be a more substantial, like, business based. The ownership. I, mean, I think just the fact don't want that five this, teams like... came out on the day and said no, it feels like a collective action. They went, look, mm. we will just establish from the front that this is not a thing we're going to tolerate. Basically, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just now, hopefully, mm. you know, well, not hopefully, uh, you know. The owners presumably have only ever said these things verbally because if any of this <laughs> ever been written down, then we're looking at the next great NFL lawsuit probably. But like, look, like uh, it's it's perplexing, and like you know, I, I get that the owners are a cabal and there's probably some level of conclusion, but. The one thing that you understand about these owners is they all want to win the fucking Super Bowl, and Lamar instantly could turn your team into a team that could potentially win the Super Bowl. Yes, there's health issues. Yes, obviously he's a unique player, and you know maybe he's not a great passer, but like he's like Cam Newton in his prime type situation. Like those guys, when they have those seasons where everything clicks, they can destroy the world. They can make things happen, and you know it's just yeah, it's just 
it's a bit unusual. But like you know, as as we get further into the off season, perhaps even after the draft, um, and it's it, keep an eye on how this actual situation plays out in terms of when Lamar chooses to or chooses not to sign the tag and all that kind of situation. You know, if we get past the draft and there's a team, you know, with their you know stuck with their thumb in their ass, like and nothing at the quarterback position, and it's them, it's it's them or Jacoby Brissett. Maybe then some team might be like, maybe I have. To this, do is, this. this is this is what I'm intrigued by. Ready. We we're, we've obviously we're, we're, we've not done our draft stuff yet, but like if we get down to the draft and the run-on quarterback starts earlier or someone just doesn't get the shot of the guy they want, that might be when we see something happening. They might go, oh shit, right. Our 12th overall pick isn't going to be good enough to be able to pick up one of the guys we want. Why don't we yeah. just take a swing at this? And, and that was a situation that happened with Watson, obviously for, for different reasons because that's just mm. when the legal situation resolved itself. So Lamar might... Or, you know, <laughs> Lamar might. That is a very good description of him uh, in the in the taste buds <laughs> yeah. of the uh, of, of, of the GMs yeah. of the league at the moment. But like this is a situation where Lamar, I think, will be trying to leverage everything. He doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself. He, like, he's, his family gives him a lot of advice. So I wouldn't say he's like operating on the most savvy level necessarily. No. Uh, just because that's what agents are paid for. But. I think he can see the clear... And, like, you know, don't be surprised if he goes the full Kirk Cousins route and says, fine, tag me, I'll play another season and then I'll be a free agent next season or you pay me what there's an extra addition on top if they tag him again. Like, he could go all the way, I, I feel like. And, you know, mm. he will probably continue to protect himself in those situations. We saw that there was probably games towards the last season where he chose... Well, I wouldn't say chose not to play, but he didn't play, where perhaps if it had been different here, it had been slightly different, but, yeah. This is this is gonna keep running until there's a resolution that suits all parties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll obviously talk more about the QBs and everything uh, in a minute. Uh, we'll just do a quick notable other cuts. Uh, Washington have cut quarterback Carson Wentz, who has been seen with his agent apparently still wants to play football. Uh, Marcus Mariota was cut by Atlanta, Tennessee. They've decided the the cleanse is coming, the power cleanse. So. Uh, Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, Bud Dupree, Zach Cunningham and Randy Bullock all gone from them and the Rams have cut Bobby Wagner. I mentioned these purely because our main section for today is going to be our free agency preview. Uh, so we're going to start going position by position through stuff and uh, and talk you through them. And a few of those names will turn up. So if you miss the news of Bobby Wagner leaving, then, uh, then you know, uh, you'd be a bit surprised to hear him turning up on our list. So uh, on that lovely note, I think we'll go and have a look at the free agency preview. Okay, guys, so like just at a high-level summary, I suppose, what we've got is a couple of bridge quarterbacks and available, and maybe, as we mentioned there, one or two trade options for a bit higher up. Um, there's a lot of running backs knocking around. Uh, there's not really very much in the way of wide receiver, uh, tight end, and offensive tackle, uh, but on the inside of the lines, you're getting a little bit more. On defensive side, there's... There's pass rushers there. There's a question of are a few of them too long in the tooth really will be a question. Um, there's some solid defensive linemen and linebacker options. And then like the defensive backs, some of it might be scheme specific, but there's some interesting names there as well. So like there are probably players out there for whatever your, your team's needs are. But I think we'll kind of probably go um, area by area. So quarterback... Teams who are here are look, the Jets, the Vegas, Carolina, Washington, Tampa Bay are all looking for, for players. In terms of free agents, Jimmy G's knocking around, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, ugh, Carson Wentz, ugh, uh, <laughs> give me Gardner Minshew. Um, <laughs> like, 
Yeah, Gardner Minshew out of that bat might actually be my favorite. Um, the big ones that we're looking at on trade options, as we mentioned, Lamar Jackson, but also Aaron Rodgers, who is currently knees deep in negotiations with the New York Jets, it would appear, uh, for a potential trade there. Um, yeah, like, where do we see these guys? And, like, top of my head, Jackson stays with the Ravens, Rodgers goes to the Jets, Garoppolo to uh, Vegas, maybe would be my thinking. What like? Do you have any strong feelings on any of these guys? Well, yeah, I, I think it'll we'll go in that order. I think the Aaron Rodgers thing. It, it's one of these dominoes thing. Once that domino falls, obviously a, a name like Aaron Rodgers, every team that wants a quarterback is keeping their ear out to think about it if he's interested. If he goes to the Jets, then suddenly someone like Jimmy Garoppolo starts to look like a very, a very interesting option. If you if you know the best available there. Um, I would think Vegas is probably the best fit for him, mostly because they have a functional offense already, whereas all the rest of these teams are kind of feel like they're either going to have to rebuild their shattered offenses or they don't have an offense to begin with. Um, and for Jimmy G, it's interesting. Once you see that drop-off goes from the next best available is maybe you know Jacoby Brissett or you could maybe make a case for someone like Baker Mayfield or... You know, it's it's not very appetizing. So I think Jimmy G will go to where he wants, and certainly I think Vegas will look at it. After that, I don't think I honestly don't think after that there's any starting level QBs left. Yeah. Um. So I can't imagine the market's going to be all that ravenous for the players who are like, unless someone wants to take a shot at Mike White. Obviously, he's looked potentially like he could mm. be like a a low, you know, a, a mid mid level to lower level team starting QB. He could definitely slot in there, but. The rest of them, I would not. I would not be waiting by the phone uh, if if I'm if I'm Baker Mayfield, for example. Like the like the Chiefs are in the market for a backup quarterback because Chad Henney, you know, he's 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 done his thing again, and now it's probably getting a little bit too long. Dude, I would love to have Gardner Minshew as my backup quarterback. I think he's a perfect backup. But yeah, there's not much if you're looking for a starter here. Connor, disrespect Henny officially retired after the Super Bowl, I believe. So. You know, pay respects to the man. No, uh, but that's what I mean. Is, but that's what I mean is he's gone. So like, you yeah. know, we, we need to find a replacement for him. He's yeah. he's, so he's, think... he's done phenomenal work for us. He's got a, got a running running track record of hitting the divisional round and crushing some other team's dreams briefly. <laughs> I like yeah. Like I think if you're looking for a backup, there's lots of intriguing names there. Though some guys like Carson Wentz might be more work trouble than they're worth. Uh, but yeah, these are these are backup guys. Like you're not going to get starting level play from guys like Heineke or Bridgewater but they're decent to fill in a gap or two like that means that maybe a surprise trade candidate like Ryan Tannehill given Tennessee seem to be tearing everything down might make sense for a team but like is Ryan Tannehill really that much better or worse than Jimmy Garoppolo probably not so it's really I don't think I certainly don't think so and I gotta I gotta ask the question of like what what would you have to give up to get him versus like taking one of these like th- th- think... th- that's your trade-off on it like even if they're a little bit better would you rather your team not have a third round rookie and have Ryan Tannehill under center instead. Like Tannehill, like I think a second or a third might get it done. To be honest, given how much Tennessee seemed to be tearing things down, but we'll we'll have to see there. Like to be honest, um, like I think that the big winner here is probably likely to be Jimmy Garoppolo because there's going to be a team either immediately in the next month or certainly after the draft who's going to be left you know, swinging and they're going to give Jimmy Garoppolo a fair amount of money. And he has mm. experience both in the Shanahan system, which there's a huge number of coaches. He also has experience within the Belichick system, which obviously is a big issue if, for example, Vegas are the ones looking for a quarterback. And so I feel like he's going to be the consolation prize for someone and he'll be happy enough to take that free money, basically. He'll probably be getting a Daniel 
Jones type contract, maybe even a little bit more. Uh, but I, I would like certainly thirty five million plus is the kind of benchmark yeah. based on what a starting quarterback is. Um, so Rogers, like, look, I think the Jets are giving the hard press right now. So even by the time you're listening, he could potentially be traded. But the reports are all saying. Rogers likes the time, so this could take a tediously long amount of time mm. also potentially to uh, resolve itself. But the Jets, I think, are all in on the Rogers train right now. And given where their young roster is and how much talent there is there, it kind of makes sense to go there. But of course, if they trade Aaron Rodgers for two first rounders and Lamar Jackson's available, I would still consider that an idiotic thing to do. <laughs> mm, that's true. Although, like, I, I do, I do kind of get the feeling that like the two first rounders thing, they're never going to accept it. That it's they just want, they just want someone else to negotiate the deal for them. <laughs> like they just yeah. like Rogers probably is more like a first plus something else kind of situation. If Rogers doesn't move, do you think there's any chance that Jordan Love tries to force his way into a release? Because that'll be another year of just completely unclear horseshit where like he doesn't have a job, can't make any plans, can't build up his value in any way. Like. I think he'll be happy enough to like if they like he will probably possibly ask for a trade or at least to have a genuine in inverted commas quarterback competition in the uh, in in training camp. Uh, but you know he obviously doesn't have that much on tape. Obviously the noises have been really positive from Green Bay, but inevitably they have to be. They're not going to say the guy that they've been waiting four years to make a starter is shit. Um, but yeah, I think most likely it seems like the team is ready to move on. Rodgers is probably ready to move on, whether he's still got it in the tank, given his, you know, interesting views and, and, and extracurriculars, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, I think if you put him in the right system with a lot of talent around him, I think he could still perform to a, you know, pretty good level um, overall. Yeah, let's move to the skill positions. So this is your running backs, wide receivers, fullbacks, tight ends, and so on. A lot of teams looking in here. So Houston, Chicago, Baltimore, Giants, Green Bay. Um, like we said, there's kind of plenty of running backs here, although the question is what what's kind of elite level and so on. So let's say like two or three trade options that are being discussed at the moment. DeAndre Hopkins is a lot of discussions about it being a second or a third round pick for him, but also basically whether or not he wants a chunk of money running back Derek Henry, as you mentioned, Tennessee are kind of burning it to the ground. I'm wondering what it would take to get him off them. Um, like, you know, you'd want him going to a, to a contender level team who feel they're just one away. So, you know, like a Buffalo or something, but I, I don't know. And Brandon cooks wide receiver is probably available in a trade. If we go out of the trade section, Dalton Schultz, a tight end, Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt, uh, then on the wide receiver side, Chark, Myers, Juju, Lazard. Um, there's like there's interesting ones like Mike Gesicki, I think it would be an interesting, and Tanyan to a lesser extent, but he kind of he tanked his value the last year. But Gesicki, I think, will be an interesting one. And then there's been a lot of uh, a lot of voices coming out of the Rams who are trying to figure out how to get picks and money back uh, that they are looking to basically offload Alan Robinson on someone. He's due $15 million. The current uh, rumors are that, that if someone would basically just pay him four or five million of that, they would just let them have him essentially. So um, we'll see what comes of that. So as we said, some trade pieces, Hopkins, Good, but coming off an injury and ped suspension and still looked grand, but maybe not quite what he was and is about to hit the wrong side of 30. Henry, old, still productive, but, you know, best years are behind him. You're probably buying him on a one-year, maybe one-and-a-half-year rental. And uh, Cooks constantly puts up the production, even with bad uh, 
you know, quarterbacks under centre. But again, coming very late in the in the season for it, and he would be on. I've got to imagine it's like his twenty sixth team at this point, given how many times he's been traded around places. Um, who would we who would we be looking at this and going? This is a good target. And what do we think a fair price would be for these three trade options? Um, well, I mean, I in terms of the wide receivers, I mean, the names that are sticking... Obviously, Hopkins, I still think he's probably got some value in him. But in terms of the free agency... I mean, DJ Chark, I think he's... Yeah. He's proven himself to be to be a good... I mean, maybe uh, WR2 as opposed to WR1, but definitely he could be productive. I think Alan Robinson in the right place would... would have quite a, 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 a good career ahead of him. I, I think we shouldn't judge him on, on a season with the Rams when they were falling apart and shouldn't really judge him on his Bears years because they didn't have an offense for them either. Um, apart from that, the rest of the wide receivers are a bit middling. I mean, Lazard kind of blew his chance to be the, the WR1 at Green Bay and yeah, you know, Juju is is inconsistent, and Jacoby Myers. I mean, Jacoby Myers, yeah, he, he definitely is improving, but I don't think he's anything yeah. in terms of elite. Um, and the wider, the problem with the running backs is that you're just, they're so, they, the shelf life of running back these days is so small, you, you just can't trust them. I mean, Kareem Hump maybe, but anybody who's any got any years in him is, is like Fournette, for example, is yeah, it's, it's, a, go it's a dangerous, dangerous thing to give him any kind of money whatsoever because these, these bodies fall, these running back bodies fall apart very quickly. And Derek Henry would be a similar one. I, I kind of think Henry is, is done as an elite running back now, so yeah, I don't think I don't think teams and I think will teams want to build an offense around a running back that you know is is on the way down is going to be questionable. So definitely, if you're looking for wide receivers, young, um, and there are some options out there for running backs, it's it's lottery to to know who's still good and who's not. Yeah, but that's reflected in the price, right? Like you can probably pick up. Some of these running backs who you know have had some productive seasons for basically pennies on the dollar. Like remember, the tag is ten million. Like you could probably get these guys for like five million something like that. Rashad Penny is a guy who showed explosion. Kareem Hunt's a great receiving back. Leonard Fournette's a guy who can tote the ball, um, you know, fairly well still. Um, I'm not sure if he can. <laughs> Like, I think, you know, it's not great, but solid. Like, and all these guys are going to be part of a rotation. They're not going to be expected to be a Derrick Henry-type running back. And I think if, if you're going to trade for Derrick Henry, you probably need to be a contender because there's no reason yeah. to have yeah. an elite, every-down running back-type guy like Derrick Henry unless you're a team like the Cowboys or the Bills and you're just trying to get that extra juice you think you need to get to the, to the promised land and stuff like that. Um, whereas DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver, because there's so few genuine kind of Quarter, wide receivers who help quarterbacks kind of like that guy who will help a quarterback develop he still has some value I feel like that he's obviously one of the best contested catches receivers in the league so you imagine that some of the fall off in terms of physical stuff will be less problematic for him um, so you could see a team with a younger quarterback looking to give them the you know the weapons they need to kind of take that next step might step in and, and trade like a second rounder or a third rounder to take that risk is fairly low uh, especially in a draft as we'll talk about where the wide receiver depth isn't as good as previous years. Yeah, this no... is this is not a year for yeah. being in bad need of a wide receiver, particularly yeah. bad like, need for a wide receiver to step up immediately. But like, you know, these other wide receivers like Jacoby Myers, DJ Clark maybe has I like a wide Jack. receiver one upside, like but he feels more like a wide receiver too to me. Myers Bonafide, like what? Like there's guys who make yards and there's guys who make yards. Like guys who make yards, like your Justin Jeffersons, your Jamar Chases, they make yards for you. They do the work for you. But most receivers, and certainly the ones we're talking about here, those are guys who, yes, 
like they'll get you the yards that they, they that the scheme has made for them, especially if they're good route runners like Myers. But they're not gonna you know make the quarterback's life easier. Like the system really will have to feed them. Whereas a running back, you know, every team really wants to have two or three reasonable running backs. And like you know, we talked about the top of them, but like you know, if you go beyond them, there's guys like Madison, Jamal Williams coming off a year with so many touchdowns. The guys like Mostert or Wilson, if you have a Shannon type scheme, you know, Jared McKinnon scored a bunch of touchdowns for Kansas City. Montgomery, Singletary, Harris. These are guys who've been Orby ones for or, or RB one A type team players for, for 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 various teams. Latavius Murray went into the Broncos last year and had a bunch of yards. You know, uh, Sam J P Ryan looked better than Joe Mixon when he was brought in. Like so, running back. You know, these guys will be cheap. They will be plentiful, and there's a bunch of them in the in the draft as well. So I think you know they will have to wait to get their turn. And the guys who take the money up front will probably end up being a little bit better off, even if they'll feel slightly insulted what they're getting compared to like a mediocre uh, wide receiver. I think tight end, as you mentioned, Connor is intriguing. Schultz and Gesicki do feel like good receiving tight end options. I think they could certainly be a solid option for their teams. Hayden Hurst looked finally to maybe live up to some of that draft potential with uh, Cincinnati last year, and there are some pretty good blocking. Tight Ends, if you're into that stuff, mm. uh, like Josh Oliver, Jacob Johnson's a pretty solid option um, at fullback as well. So there's decent depth there. Don't get too excited for it. I wouldn't be surprised if Schultz ended up back with Dallas, for example, if they can make the money work, depending how much they're planning to spend on running backs, basically. Um, but yeah, I think if you want a receiving, there's all the different types of tight ends that you want there. And, you know, none of them are going to be like Travis Kelsey, but I think they can do a solid job for you. Yeah. Uh, offensive line up next. So we've kind of got two tackles at the top of this and then. There's not really a great selection of tackles beyond that, uh, but there is interior options beyond that. So we've got Orlando Brown uh, and Mike McGlinchey uh, as your kind of your top of the top of the class group. So you've got Brown, who's possibly better uh, at a different position, but is still you know been a uh, Super Bowl winning left tackle. He's more of a more of a run guy than a pass guy. But the problem is there's no other options, and he's looking for a top of the market style deal because that's where negotiations broke down with the Chiefs previously. Mike McGlinchey, like he's a very good top end of the type the type type uh, type tackle, but is now you know a couple of years older and maybe isn't quite what he once was. So you're kind of buying on the downslope on those two. Um, if we go to the interior, we've got Caleb McGarry, uh, Nate Davis, Garrett Bradbury, and then on to kind of our next tier stuff. So you've got Donovan Smith, uh, yeah, Juwan Taylor, Andrew Wiley, Isaiah Wynn, Andrew Dillard. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people, particularly if you're ha- if particularly if you're looking for like second guys or swing tackles or rotational kind of options there's a lot of guys there and there's a lot of interior stuff but yeah like on tackle there's not a ton of options so like you're gonna over you'll be overpaying for a brown in his prime or you'll be paying a lot for mcglinchy on the down slope i think and then there's there's value at the interior um and obviously in this area we're talking arizona tennessee pittsburgh denver chargers and obviously the chiefs will be having a look at at, at, at tackle as well but given how the discussion with brown went i'd imagine that'll be more of a, a, a draft or trade scenario yeah like i suppose the theory is is that how much value is there in an elite left tackle prospect like there's differing views about that as we've gone forward we've seen teams like the rams for example win without it but obviously we saw a team like uh, the eagles and chiefs both had really good offensive lines uh, contesting the super bowl this year so you know there's certainly debate out there orlando brown i think you know he's not just a good tackle but he also has those like 
um, physical traits that make him a dominant tackle when he wants to be, particularly, as you say, in the run game. So I think in terms of an elite prospect, he is an elite prospect. I think there's been some questions about some of his uh, work ethic. And obviously, he's obviously a guy who's been looking for the most money possible. Um, but, you know, fair juice to him. Like, you know, that no, no, he's doing it for his father, not because there's more money in it. <laughs> Sure. Um, like, you know, if you talk, like he obviously was traded from the Ravens because of the money situation. So, you know, well, it is like, you know, but Trent Williams is getting paid a crap ton of money and has been the best left tackle in the NFL for the last few years. So money doesn't make you bad. Like Orlando Brown, I think he would fit certain teams more than others. And, you know, I think he will get paid by someone. McGlinchey, I think, is a little bit of a step down from Orlando Brown. He's more of a technician, just solid all-rounder, maybe like Pro Bowlish level uh, type guy in a good year. But, you know, he's not going to like dominate on the offensive line he's going to just do his job well um but given the paucity of kind of reliable offensive tackle prospects i think he'll get a decent contract donovan smith was a surprise cut by tampa bay obviously a team which is potentially doing a full rebuild so maybe making some cap move he's probably your more older situation uh, stop gap and then you have some is he, interesting... is he the one who had like all the penalties called on him uh sometimes but uh <laughs> one game um, Fair enough. Like, if you're not going for any of those elite guys, you're going into really more uh, variable, younger prospects like Jermaine Illuminor, Jawan Taylor, Andrew Wiley. Oh, sorry, Andrew Wiley's more of a, a swing guy. Uh, like Isaiah Wynn, Andre Dillard. These are all guys who have been drafted highly. They're still fairly young. Um, Jermaine Illuminor's guy who played through from Vegas and, and, and has got the free agency. So there are options there, but none of them are, are guaranteed guys like Brown and McGlinchey, really. So you're going to take a risk there. And they're probably still going to get some decent money, I would say. Uh, like someone like Dillard hasn't really proven anything, but he was a former first-rounder. So he's some guy who will probably get overpaid and running back to be going, why is this guy getting paid and I can't get fuck all? Um, but I'd say, as you say, in the interior... There's plenty of like veteran and younger options available. Guys like Nate Davis and Ben Powers, if you want a younger guard for several years, but if you need to just fill in some gaps, guys like Dalton Reisner, Bojic, or Bradley Bozeman have done solid work. Garrett Bradbury is probably similar in that camp, although he's very much just a zone-blocking, smaller center type of guy as well. Um, so I think if you need an elite tackle, there's really two options, and then maybe Donovan Smith is a backup. Otherwise, you're getting into project guys who may or may not be those guys you know, you do your scouting basically. Uh Caleb McGarry is probably a guy who could potentially play tackle, but he maybe also play interior. So if you're looking for a flexible guy, he's probably solid. But yeah, those top two guys, they're they're the level above everyone else is a, a little bit of a risk. Um, but we'll probably still get a decent amount of work. Yeah. I, I like John Taylor from the Jags. He's a good season. He's a he's quite consistent as well. He I think he's the stat I saw and he's he's made a thousand snaps in each four of his four NFL seasons. So he's a guy he you can rely on. Um, good in the passing game, not so good in the run, but he he looked pretty good this year. So that would be the name that kind of sticks out to me in terms of once you get past Brown and McClinchy, he's the guy I'd be like, yeah, I like him. Very good. Uh, we're going to move over to the defensive side of the ball. So we'll say first level defensive line, edge, inside lineman. Um, yeah, so like edge players, we don't have a ton. There's some decent interior options. There are a few guys, but like... You know, they've got a combo of maybe some have underperformed recently, maybe some will cost a lot, maybe some are a little old. So let's say top of this is probably Javon Hargrave and Marcus Davenport. Then we've got Dalvin Tomlinson, Draymond Jones, Zach Allen, um, Yannick Ngakwe, Bud Dupree. Jeez, yeah, Jadavian Clowney still just keeps knocking around to me here. Uh, Brandon Graham, Robert Quinn, 
Uh, Justin Houston, who's still in the league. I forgot about that, actually. Uh, Fletcher Cox, a few people like that. Uh, there's a few ones then that will be available because they are being cut or, uh, they've, or they possibly have already been cut, depending on what time this goes out. Um, we'll be looking at Leonard Floyd and uh, Frank Clark, uh, who Frank Clark would be quite... I, I, I think the problem is going to be he's going to be quite expensive, but whether or not he'll get that on the, on the market is a question, as he's been excellent in playoffs and a little bit quiet during the season. So, looking at these positions, we're probably looking at Chicago, Arizona, Green Bay, Cleveland, the Rams uh, are all going to be looking to get players in here. And in one or two of those cases, try and get cheaper players in here. Uh, yeah, I suppose, are any of these jumping out at you as being ones you'd like to see? Like, the the drop-off, once we hit kind of the Jadavian Clowney level, is interesting. Because then it's like, there are guys who might still be good, but you're kind of taking a punt. Like, Justin Houston was, was actually surprisingly decent last year. But, you know, do you want, do you, do you want to take a roll of the dice on the next year? Because, like, he's, what, 34, 35 at this point? Yeah, like, it's kind of those weird things. Because I think, like... You know, the around the NFL podcast often talk, has talked about the Dalton line for quarterbacks. Like, this is the guy, if you're above Dalton, then you're okay. And if you're below Dalton, you need to change things. And I kind of feel like some of the guys we're seeing here in free agency um, are those kind of guys. Like, Yannick Ngakwe gets a decent amount of sacks every year, but yet every year he seems to be on a different team. It's kind of those guys where if you've got a better guy than like your Boses, your Watts, you're going to pay whatever they require. But mm. these kind of guys who fall just around that kind of level where they're decent playmakers, they work well in some systems, but they just don't have that every down capacity, just end up coming back on the contract. And Gokwe's back, Clowney's back, Graham's back, Quinn's back. Floyd will be back. Uh, you know, Frank Clark's maybe an exception there. Uh, Houston's obviously back, and there's a bunch of older guys like that, and they're all solid, and they all role players. Don't, don't be surprised if they wait out some of the early free agency and kind of get a contract like close to the time, especially guys like Houston. Um, but you know, if you're talking about guys who have upside, the only one who really stands out for me is Marcus Davenport. He's a guy who's really disappointed i suppose given his draft status in new orleans he never really grew up to be the kind of counterpart to cam jordan there but he's a guy who has physical traits physical skills that pop off the screen when he does play well he can be dominant but his pass mm. moves are just a bit underdeveloped but if you're talking about a guy who has additional upside above and beyond what we've already seen then he's probably the only real option uh, beyond that except for like really maybe lower level guys like Obo and Quonkro uh, or people like that but the rest of these guys you know what you're getting you probably have an idea of how much that skill set is worth and the guys will get paid what they're required and you know given the need for edge rushers and the fact that we know that you know teams want to have a stable of edge rushers if they can these guys will probably get paid somewhere but you know maybe not ridiculous contracts as for the interior defensive line I think Javon Hargrave's a guy who Went to free agency, went to Philly, played really well, is now going to get another second yeah. by the Diapole and make a bunch of money. And I think given his performance, if you have a 3-4 scheme and that's where the league is going, he's probably one of the best still at the job of being a 3-4 defensive end. And I think given that position, age tends to not be as much of an issue. Beyond that, it's just your usual ragtag of kind of solid, like, you know, serviceable guys, like maybe pro bullish and lower like zach allen's a younger guy maybe has some upside potentially but these other guys like dalvin tomlinson draymond jones fletcher cox on you know they're solid there's nothing wrong with them but you know they probably have to find this, this right thing and some guys like puna ford who's obviously i just love mentioning because of his name the name is uh, fantastic but, 
you know, he's been a victim of the change in NFL. Like he was a good uh, penetrator, <laughs> uh, penetrator, <laughs> uh, defensive tackle guy to go through. But the the want now with the change to the big Fangio type defense is for guys who fill gaps. Um, geez, the language here is just getting out of control. Anyway, uh, is the guy is for filling gaps, not for guys who you know go through and do pass rush stuff unless you're an Aaron Donald type. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see schematically if some of these guys fall off in the interior defensive line just as the way the the league is evolving over the last couple of years. Yeah. So nose tackle. It's a good time to be a nose tackle, less so for a undersized uh, DT. Do you wonder if like we might see, given given there's not as many like we might see some return of some other players who we haven't heard of in a while, but. We'll see. We'll see if any of that turns up. I always wondered if D Ford would ever a chance trying to come back into the league again. Um, he just like very quietly got cut uh, last year and just never really did anything from that point onwards. Um, let's move to the second level of the defense. As uh, your off-ball linebackers, your strong safeties, your in and around the box kind of dudes. Uh, Atlanta, Cleveland, Minnesota, uh, Las Vegas, Seattle. All be people looking in here. There's one very clear top option in this um and then there's a couple of very good names apart from that like there's you know like say a mix of young guys who might be good you've got veterans if you're looking for a bit of leadership like there's, there's plenty of options here um so the top guy is obviously going to be bobby wagner who had i think it was second team all bro last year um and like was was playing top end for a guy particularly a guy of his age um and it's just more of a cost cap saving and ring chasing thing that they've kind of let him go and he's he's now available to look around uh, outside of that we've got like jordan poyer at safety tj edwards levante david inside linebacker david long tremaine edwards jeremy pratt anthony walker drew tranquil eric kendricks leighton vander esch devon bush von bell like there's a lot of a lot of names that you'll recognize immediately on this list uh which is kind of surprising although since we have been swinging towards you know, less and less payment of some of these linebacker positions um I th- I think there's some there's some potentially very good but you know it's kind of risk reward with some of the cause it's almost weird to call Leighton Van Der Esch one of the older options here but like I suppose you know he he is at this point like there's uh, Devin Bush like there's there's lots of in there's lots of ones where you could just be like I would just be very happy with my team picking that person up like wouldn't change my mind uh, massively on where our endpoint would be, I would just feel relatively happy that we've got a good set of personnel at that position. And that's kind of what I'm feeling from the second level stuff. Obviously, apart from, be great to have Bobby Wagner, but it depends on what it cost. I mean, to me, the name that stands out here is Jordan Poyer. I think he's he's just an excellent, excellent safety. And he's he's got that Devin McCourty thing where he's like the, the quarterback of the second. He like, he like manages the other players around him. Mm. Uh, and the Bills, if the Bills don't find a way to, to hold on to him, I mean... That's a huge loss for them and, and a big win for the other AFC East. I mean, there is a there are some rumors that the Pats might try and take a shot at him, but uh, I believe that when I see it. But to me, that that's the name of. I mean, Wagner is obviously he's he's elite and whatever, but Poyer is. I think he's more up and coming. I think he's got. I think he's got a, he's got a long a, a lot of years ahead of him where he's going to be a big influence in the secondary. To me, that's that's the name I'd probably be watching here. Late, late, I have a lot of time for Leighton Van Der Esch as well. I must say, but for me, Jordan Poyer is he's a guy I'm going to be watching uh, this uh, from this category. Mm. Yeah, I think this is one of these positions where the contract demands won't be too crazy, uh, and you have a good selection of either younger guys who you want to kind of build a team around if you're on the more uh, the earlier side of a of a, sta- of a rebuild. If you're a team that looks to win now, a guy like Bobby Wagner or a guy like Levante David or even Evander Esch could come in and do a good job for you. 
Uh, but if you're younger, TJ Edwards had a really good year for Philly. Jermaine Pratt and Antti Walker have been solid for their teams in the AFC North. Um, Okariki has been a guy who's been a little bit underserved. And Drew Tranquil, just like you're kind of just solid. all Like if you want an all-rounder linebacker, there's plenty of them out there. You can get them for good value. And similar for your more box safety types like Von Bell, Taylor Rapp, and so on and so on. I think Boyer does stand out. I think he is a really good player. And I think he is very interested in moving to a, a state that apparently doesn't take half his taxes. He said <laughs> yeah, he's, already. he's been quite vocal about not liking Buffalo. <laughs> So, like, Miami or Tennessee... Well, not Tennessee, because they're, they're blowing things up, but, like, the team that... Vegas, like, maybe. Yeah. So, if he's counting money via post-tax, then maybe some teams could get him for a relative bargain in terms of their cap space and stuff like that. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, Edwards, Long, Edmonds, like, you're good at linebacker, and then there's decent options at strong safety. This is just a position that I think has been kind of the the poor relation of the edge rushers and the DBs. And, you know, I think that just means that some team is going to see that there's value here and that they'll get some really good players for a really good price this offseason. Yeah. Uh, third level. So this is your defensive backs, cornerbacks, free safeties. Um, you know, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Philly, Giants and Dallas in particular looking for here, as I said earlier, kind of solid young options here. A couple of veteran options to kind of come in and help. A couple of big names as well. There's a lot, there's a lot of um, brand name, we'll say, knocking around here. So big name at the top of this list is uh, Jalen Ramsey is being discussed as a trade option. I uh, don't think it would take... I don't think it would take a ton to get him off the Rams. Uh, I think the problem is, I initially went, oh, that's an interesting prospect. He's due about 15 or 16 million a year for the next two or three years. And that'll be, you know, you, you, you could you could definitely do two years of that for, you know, whatever, third round if you're a, if you're a comp- competing. But it sounds that what he actually wants is to get his, uh, his deal redone, which then means you'd have to be trading assets for him and then giving him a top of the market contract as he's a little bit older and stuff. So, like, we'll see. Uh, Outside of that, we've got Jesse Bates and James Bradbury, also two big kind of names here in safety and cornerback. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who kind of had a big year last year and was going for pennies, is going to get paid. Uh, Jamel Dean, Cam Sutton, Byron Murphy, Sean Murphy-Bunting, Jonathan Jones, and then you can get like, you know, like Marcus Peters, who's a little bit longer in the tooth, but, you know, given looking at looking at this list here, I imagine won't cost you more than seven or eight million probably to get him for the year. Uh, Rocky Sin, Patrick Peterson, Eli Apple, oh, Eli Apple's here, Sean. You must yes. be very excited. Uh, Juan I, Thornhill, Jimmy Ward. I had Ward. to include him. I it's had true. to include him. It's I, true. Uh, Devin McCourty, Deshaun Elliott. There's there's a lot of defensive backs here now. The problem is obviously assessing, even if they're kind of only in the late twenties section, have they lost a step? Are they still going to be able to play the game they were beforehand? But this to me seems like a good group if you're in the hunt. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of good players here. Um, I mean, obviously Ramsey. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Ramsey wasn't. He isn't quite as good as he used to be. Maybe two or three years ago. I don't know if he's let the hype get to him a little bit. He he talks a little bit too much for his talent level. I think. Um, but he's definitely he's up there. Jesse Bates, you know, hugely important for the. I mean, the Bengals. I I hear the Bengals are letting him go because they've drafted someone who they think he's better, which is I think is crazy because he's a very big part of that secondary. James Bradbury obviously had a huge. Uh, season with the Eagles. I mean, there's other names here, uh, like uh, Gardner Johnson, uh, Marcus Peters. I, I really like Jamel Dean. I mean, I, I found a, re- a really good quote in a, it was a Pats article about uh, free agencies. Uh, Jamel Dean is basically James Bradbury, but three years younger, um, which, you know, sounds pretty good to me. Um, so the, yeah, there's a lot of talent here. Um, again, as you said, the problem with cornerbacks particularly is that it's a young man's game. And if you lose the speed and the athleticism, you're basically done. 
And we've mm. seen so many cornerbacks who've had really great seasons. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of people like Stefan Gilmore, for example, um, who've had really great seasons and then two years later are basically done because they, you know, the, the physicality drops off a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see, but definitely, definitely a lot of interesting options here for sure. Yeah, like it's really just a, it's a two-sided market, right? You have your younger players who will be looking for probably four-year type contracts, three, yeah. four-year type contracts, and decent money. So Jamel Dean, uh, Byron Murphy, probably Sean Murphy Bunting fall into that type of category. And I think those will be the guys who will go quicker. And then you'll have your more veteran guys. And Jesse Bates probably falls in that category in the safety position. Um, and then, and Juan Thornhill. Uh, but then you have your veteran kind of one two-year contract guys and we've seen that work out like James Bradbury's a free agent again this year he was literally a free agent last season and just won a Super Bowl so these veteran guys can come in and do a good job for you for a bit more expense up front but you know they're only rentals you're not tying yourself in for multi-year contract stuff like with QBs or edge rushers or wide receivers that you're looking at right now even for the older ones so if you want a James Bradbury um like Jalen Ramsey, I'm a little more questionable in terms of actually trading for him. And Cha- or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, um, or even uh, guys like Marcus Peters, as you mentioned, or Patrick Peterson, they can do a job for you. Even Cam Sutton, who's like 28, a little bit older, they can do a job for you. They can fill the gaps, and you're not going to have a disaster there. Because you don't want to have like a disaster defensive back because they will get picked on relentlessly. We've seen that. <coughs> Eli Apple. One may argue with Eli Apple. And, and it's similar at the safety position. Like, you know, there's guys like uh, like Devin McCourty or Jimmy Ward who could do a job. Though Devin McCourty is almost certainly going to go back to the Patriots because he's Devin McCourty. Um, but if you want to take a chance on second chance guys like John Johnson or you want to go young with Deshaun Elliott, Juan Turnhill, Julian Love, those kind of guys, I think, yeah, the options, there's plenty of depth there even beyond what we're talking about today. And it just depends what you're looking for. If you're a contender and you're looking to fill some gaps for cheap and without mortgaging the future, get James Bradbury in, get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in, win a Super Bowl, well, nearly win a Super Bowl, like Philly, you know, nearly got there. Um, if you're going younger um, then and you're building a more traditional way, there's options there for you as well to kind of jumpstart with these guys. Yeah. And finally, we'll have a look at the special teams, um, kickers, punters, kick returners. Um, yeah, like everyone needs these all the time. Uh, kickers, we've got Matt Gay, Eddie Pinheiro, uh, Robbie Gould, Randy Bullock, Mason Crosby, Greg Zerline. Like, so, you know, plenty plenty of names that you'll kind of recognize on the punter side. Riley Dixon, Bradley Pinion, um, yeah, Thomas Morstead, Andy Lee. Uh, and then you get Keyshawn Nixon as a returner, stuff like that. Like, it's... It, it's fine. There's a couple more brand names in here than you'd expect, but like a lot of the special teams, particularly the kicking, has been skewing more and more towards the youth, and there's better and better quality prospects coming out of college. That you kind of wonder if there's a degree to which like there's an there's an end of the line for some of these names. Like you know, I'll don't don't have a particularly strong opinion on his kicking game, but I'll be very sad to the day I have to stop reporting on Randy Bullock. Yeah, like, <laughs> look, there's certain coaches who like the old veteran guys like Robbie Gold because they just want to set and forget there's some guys who'd be willing to give a bit more years to a younger guy like Matt Gay and to be honest if, if the Rams are still contending Matt Gay would probably still be with the Rams but uh, given where they are they're just like why would we spend money on a kicker um, and then you have guys like Pinheiro or as you say Bullock who are going to be up and down given the year but you, you know you just have to you know, shuffle them for basically nothing and sit with punters. It's basically that, but even more so. Uh, there's no point in paying these guys a lot of money. None of these are elite guys, but none of them are a problem either. And then Keyshawn 
Dixon's probably the best of the you know special team returner type guys available out there. He can play some decent DB work as well. So you know decent options here. Kicker Mac A is probably better than the usual kind of kicker you end up in free agency. But um, I don't think he's like a super like he's obviously not Justin Tucker type situation. You know. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Like I think that, that I think that's a fairly good wrap up of the of the of the free agency stuff. Uh, is there anyone we didn't mention? Anyone to add into it or like I think because the thing is. This is all going to be a very quickly moving period as, you know, the, the, the combine is over. We've got, this is the start rush of free agency. There'll be a lump of signings to start with and then it'll kind of drop off a little bit and then we'll have the draft starting up and there'll be a couple of probably trades in there and some make weights with players. And then, then I think it's like, I, I, I sometimes even find like the second or third wave to be more interesting of like, who's still about and who can find that little bit of value in like, you know, late May, early June instead. Um, particularly with some of these older players who I think we've seen the last couple of years, some of the older players wanting to hold off till later to sign both because their value if they have values, it stands can only go up because of injuries to happen. But also, it just means that they don't have to bother their hoop with doing as much uh, off-season training. Which yeah. I think a lot of them would prefer to just sit at home and do the gym themselves rather than have to go bunk up with someone at a rookie mini camp. Yeah, like I think that's that. There's two trends you're kind of alluding to there. One is the quality of the free agency classes compared to say the early 2010s has gone down significantly because the cap keeps going up by so much every year. And I'd say like the COVID years, it's just very little reason why teams would let truly elite talents out the door, particularly at the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, the edge, uh, rusher position, and even to a certain extent, the defensive back position. So those really important positions and the guys who are truly elite just aren't going to make it to free agency. And I think you're also has been that mini trend recently that veterans, particularly guys who are looking for one, two year big contracts are, to wait till later in the off season, wait for an injury, wait for a team to realize that their guys aren't working out, that they've drafted, and then just take a decent contract. We've seen guys like Sue, for example, do that for multiple years now. So, you know, Orlando Brown, like Javen Hargreave, like, you know, Bobby Wagner, Jesse Bates, like these are big enough names, but they're not going to blow the doors off names. And that's just the, mm-hmm. the reality of the NFL right now. Like if you want those elite guys, you're probably going to have to do it in the draft these days. Or you're going to have to go to the trade market. And we'll see how much the activity there is in the trade tsunami this year. It's been fairly quiet, actually. Yeah, there's uh, not been as much out. so far. Although the thing but is, that... there's a, there's one or two very, very big names which I think is drawing everything away of, like, where we'd normally be hearing more rumours. Everyone's just focused on this. Where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? What's going to happen with, you know, like, you know, with the, with the, with the whole Baltimore situation? Like, I think yeah. that's drawing the eye at the moment and probably covering off some of the discussions in the back end. And we've seen these success stories in recent years be teams that use every lever to improve their teams, like both the Chiefs and definitely the Eagles were both teams who've done different things to make a different thing. You know, Kansas City have drafted well, but they've also been willing to trade for guys. They've also been willing to pick guys up in free agency later on for good value and at positions which are lower value than Eagles, like are notorious for basically doing all kinds mm. of wibbly wobbly stuff like and given how many free agents the eagles have and who we talked about today they're probably due for another off season of, of you know wibbly wobbly magic bullshit stuff like <laughs> so, no idea what the philly roster will look like uh, next season outside of well jalen hurts will be there uh, probably mm. very good uh well i suppose that'll wrap it up any crack with yourselves for the weekend well i'm as you said coming up to to dublin for yeah. Suit fitting. Getting and suited and booted. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. That'd be good fun. Yeah, doing that and doing a bit of Dungeons and Dragons with a couple of other 
friends of the show. And uh, what about yourself, Ronan? And also, I'm going to be basking for as long as I can in Liverpool's fantastic 7-0 win over Man United. Oh, yes, all yes, fo- yes. All football should be cancelled because there should not be any more football after that. <laughs> okay. Um, where does that mean? Disappo- it'll only disappoint me after that. Um, can, I, can I ask, if we are to cancel all football, where do you finish on the league standings? Oh, Fifth. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe that's not the outcome you want. <laughs> but no. Uh... How you started? It's about where you end, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, just in terms of the last game, last game wins type rules is what. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Fair enough. Um, what are yourself running any plans? As I said, not too, uh, nothing too exciting down here. Catch the end of the uh, Six Nations, and uh, yeah. I think we'll be back in what three or three or so weeks, probably. To yeah, get review our... what happened in free agency, clear out the whatever additional news happens between now and then, and then obviously towards the end of April we'll be doing our world famous mock drafts. Very accurate, very correct all the, of the time. Incredibly, incredibly accurate. Um, world famous. It's the teams that are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reality in the multiverse where we're right I, on every single pick. I definitely think I'm a better drafter for the Pats than Bill Belichick is. Well, to be fair, Bill Belichick is terrible. <laughs> what I'm learning since doing this is I think I'm there's I think there's automate, automated drafts on Madden that are better than Bill <laughs> Belichick. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll have to start well, our, he, our fantasy he, football previews and whatnot then. To be fair, to be fair, Bill Belichick now has Bill O'Brien in the drafting uh, brain trust, so it can only get better from here. Excellent. Oh, by the way, I discovered uh, whenever that story was doing the rounds about um, Sean Payton t- doing the the uh, the thing, it might have been specifically in response to the fact that there was a news story about that they might be bringing in Matt Patricia. <laughs> I think he's like, but don't worry, if we bring him in, I won't let him play call plays. Um, but yeah, no, very exciting. So look, as I said, look forward to seeing Sean there. I'll be arranging some stuff with yourself soon, Ronan. But for now, uh, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.